The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanerho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Jack Barazzini. Hello, Jack. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. So as we record this, so we record this, uh, we're recording on a Wednesday, uh, May 27th, 2020. Uh, in case you're listening to this far in the future. <laughs> but today was supposed to be the day that uh, SpaceX was going to launch the Crew Dragon uh, space capsule, the Crew Dragon spacecraft, to the International Space Station, the first launch of a private spaceship, manned spaceship, to the space station, uh, the first orbital launch, uh, although, as we were talking beforehand, uh, Jack and I were, were saying that uh, Branson's uh, Virgin Galactic did a suborbital with spaceship. Right. Starship Two, I think it was. It's called. Uh, but uh, this would would have been the first. They got scrubbed for weather, which you know it happens. It's it's a first launch. They're not going to take any chances. Um, but uh, and they're going to try again on Saturday afternoon, three twenty Eastern time. Figure out the rest of the time zones for yourself. I can't do that. And uh, you just ask Google. And uh, so, uh, which would be nice because more. I think uh, Saturday more people can watch. This is the sort of thing you want to watch, right, guys? I mean, this is this is. Big time space launch stuff. This isn't the yeah. old, the old usual launching things into space, which you know it baffles me that that's become run of the mill. But what do you, <laughs> what do you, I mean, what do you guys think? This is pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's history. Yeah, this, I mean, it's something that's never really been done before, and I, I was, I was stunned, like watching it. I, they, they did everything they could on SpaceX's part to make sure that that everybody remembered that it was SpaceX that was carrying these astronauts <laughs> into space. <laughs> right. Even yeah. down to like, you know, we were talking about the equipment being uh, all SpaceX equipment that's been kind of rented by NASA, basically. Yep. But even even the vehicle that took the astronauts from the main area to down the concourse to the <laughs> ship was a uh, a, a Tesla, Tesla car. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, yes, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, one of the things, like, I mean, there's so much tech in this. And, and it's it's kind of amazing because with government-funded projects, it's really about, it, it takes forever for the technology to meet, to reach operational. And so it's usually, I mean, while it's cutting edge it, it for, for what it is, it's often... It doesn't feel as cutting edge as what we can buy in the store now, right? Mm -hmm. Except with with Elon Musk, he's not just a technologist. He's also um, kind of like Steve Jobs. He gets how, that you have to sell things. And so yeah. the technology they use really feels cutting edge, feels sci-fi to the point. I think he hires like sci-fi movie set designers and costume designers for, for his stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, and he's it's it's funny cuz he's a big fan of science fiction too, so you can really tell that he wants to bring that feel to it. Like with the the way the government contracting world works with like military projects or with space projects. I can't remember what astronaut it was, but he was talking about how it was always kind of nerve-wracking being on the Saturn V because he realized that the person who built that was the lowest bidder for the contract. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whereas with SpaceX you're going to get a lot more flash. Right. He wants it to look good. And this is we have this um, New York Times article uh, about the spacesuits that the astronauts wear, where he says it, it's it's like a tuxedo for the Starship Enterprise, which is, <laughs> I mean, kind of funny. I mean, you don't want it to be all flash. You want it, of course, to be functional. But right. they, the, you know, with the regular NASA stuff, they don't care about what it looks like. They want it to work. As exemplified by their suits, their next gen suits are like the clunkiest looking, oh, most yes. not not sci fi thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And they look awful. <laughs> Whereas you know they're designed by engineers who are about function, and the form right. follows function. Whereas uh, you with Musk, he started with a a, a Hollywood costume designer, and, mm. and apparently in Hollywood there are guys who specialize in designing like spacesuits and helmets, space helmets. Let's be clear. Space helmets, like, like spacesuit helmets in sci-fi, 
are not really practical. You don't want lights on the inside of your helmet. The, <laughs> the director wants lights so you can see the actor's face. But the actor w- will tell you with the, with the lights on, you can't see anything for the glare on the, <laughs> the glass an inch and a half from your nose. You know, I mean, the, yeah. so, 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 but they, they, the first thing they sat down when, and figured out the form, how to make it look cool. Then they figured out the engineering for the suit. I thought that was really interesting. Well, and it's really cool that there's um, you know, there's a lot of talk about wearable technology becoming uh, uh, very popular again because of this kind of thing. And if you notice, they had um, inside of their suits, if anybody was watching this, then inside of the leg of their suit, they had a, an iPad type thing. Like I, I won't say an iPad. It was a tablet the, device yes. uh, strapped to their leg. Uh, and and the suits, the the gloves on the suits are interactive with all of the um with all the devices they're touching and all the devices that they're touching, the screens are all touch screens and things like that. So uh, everything's kind of thought through this lens of, okay, let's make it look really neat and then let's make it functional from there. Well, it's really interesting how, um, how clean the inside of the dragon capsule is, especially if you compare yeah. it to like the space shuttle or the Apollo things, where there's just buttons everywhere. There's stuff everywhere. And this looks like the inside of a shuttlecraft. Mm-hmm. Right. This looks like something out of a out of a Hollywood set. It's 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 amazing. And every like you said, uh, one of you said, it's all touch screens. It's all mm-hmm. you know monitors. And uh, my my pick of the week uh, is sort of related. So I'm not going to spoil it. But but it's it's like a video game. It's like <laughs> you know. And this is this is technology for the the current generation. The you know for who grew up playing video games, playing flight sims, and you know in enjoying these things you know those things and so it feels futuristic it feels like a movie set this is what we want the future to look like and so by doing this he he sells his his vision and his program to the public and he gets public support for it which is mm-hmm. you know good for him there was a really interesting interview during the whole thing too where it was um the director of nasa and elon musk were in the interview and they were talking about uh the fact that what they really want to do is to start inspiring people to yes. to want to be part of this. And uh, they did a poll like while they were, I mean, I, I know it's probably the, the segment of the poll that was, that was uh, you know, the segment of people that were responding to the poll were probably very prone to this, but over 80% of people said that they would love to be part of a space mission uh, if oh, yeah. they were allowed to. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's people that are watching NASA and that are watching the space oh, yeah. launch anyway. So, you know, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's people that are wanting to go into space anyway. But, um, you you felt like you could uh you know watching these guys sit there uh it didn't look like it took that much extensive uh craziness like you know you look at the inside of those old cockpits and you're like i don't even know that i could count that many buttons while i'm (laughs) sitting there nervously waiting for things to launch but i could do a touch screen you know (laughs) right exactly with all the buttons and dials you're like i I don't know if i can remember what everything does with a screen you're just like oh you just the screen and it leads you to the things you need to know sure why why not you can also pro you can also uh programmatically change what it's showing you rather than having every single button possible available so depending on what stage you're in you get the buttons you need contextual uh controls so that you're not overwhelmed with stuff exactly um the astronauts are um Bob and Doug, which I think is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Benkin and Hurley. Uh, Benkin is an engineer by training. He was a flight test engineer with the U.S. Air Force. Uh, Hurley is a U.S. Marine Corps fighter pilot, uh, graduate of the Naval Test Pilot School. So classic astronaut guy mm-hmm. uh, there on that. Uh, both have flown on the shuttles, so they're they're mm-hmm. they're they've been in space before. Uh, so and both are really married cool. to astronauts as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, reminds me of the the Apple TV Plus uh, show for all mankind, where one of the astronauts' wives ends up becoming uh, an astronaut too, which is uh, which was interesting. Um, and all sorts of mayhem ensues when she goes up before he does. <laughs> it, ah, it's, it seems like some similar stories to here. If you if you read more into these guys, it's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so well, well, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more of the, uh, of this, uh, especially where it has a technology angle. And uh, good luck to these guys. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Crew Dragon launch on Saturday. God willing. Uh, yeah, all right. 
so let's move on to our second topic, which is um, back to the the thing the the thing the you know the twenty twenty thing, right? Uh, the virus, the current unpleasantness. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> unprecedented times we're living in, to use the term as well. Uh, well, th- this is more of a positive thing, and and it's how the the lockdown, the quarantine, however you want to say it, the the forced stay at homeness is encouraging us to use technology to connect. So the distancing is bringing us together. And one of the 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 articles that kind of inspired this discussion was uh, in the Washington Post, but it concerned something in my neck of the woods up in New Hampshire about this socially distanced concert. So it's a concert venue, uh, a music hall, and they weren't able to have concerts, obviously. So the, the guy thinking a little outside the box decided to have, a, he, he built an outdoor stage, lined off the parking lot, uh, with special uh, distancing, sold spots. So you could, when you came, you could you could buy two spots, rent two spots for your ticket, uh, one for your car, one for you to sit in. He's uh, and live streaming it. This is the te- technology angle. They're still live streaming them to people who can't come to be in person because uh, only I think they can only sell seventy f- tickets for seventy five cars or accommodate seventy five cars. But it's been hugely popular. People are excited. They want to get out. They, and this is a great way to get out, be at these things, and not and not violate the the restrictions that are on us. Uh, I thought it was an, a, an interesting idea. I mean, not super tech on this one, I guess. But but uh, we you know we're also seeing that with churches. Uh, in, in my area, uh, Catholic churches are beginning to go back to mass, and other places, parts of the country, they've already been going. Local uh, parish. Uh, is having a parking lot mass. They're all out in the parking lot. Um, I was kind of hoping we would see more parishes that wanted to do a mass like over live stream and then to people in the parking lot who could then receive the Eucharist from the, you know, from the priest coming out to the cars. I know some places did that. We didn't get much of that. So what do you guys think of this, these two bits here? I think it's really interesting that we're um, we're moving into this uh, realm where people are being forced to embrace uh, the technology that already existed because there's not really any huge innovation that's gone into a lot of the stuff that we're doing. Uh, it's it's neat to see some physical innovations where we're making decisions about how to, I don't know, I mean, almost fix things that have existed that have been problematic for a long while. Um, right. Because, you know, we're just, I, I, the coronavirus is, is just uh, illustrating how, unsanitary a lot of the things that we have been doing have been <laughs> as we've grown in a population you know and, and it's I, I think a lot of it's just growing pains uh mm-hmm. for humanity you know we've gotten big but <laughs> there's a lot of us we yep. cram ourselves into these tiny little areas and we don't take into account how much disease can spread so easily then at the same time uh you know being a teacher and working with a lot of teachers having to learn to embrace technology as a teaching tool it has been really it's been really good for a lot of people that would otherwise have just said, oh, I don't have time for that kind of thing because I'm too busy teaching. Right. And now that they've seen the other end of that, uh, they're really reaping the benefits of like, you know, I had a third grade teacher that I work with that um, I coached her through a project where she was doing virtual tours and she had all the kids go out and become virtual tour guides for different locations in the United States. Oh, cool. And. They did videos for it, and she was so stressed about how they were going to do this. And the videos she got back were so top quality that she was just blown away, especially by kids that normally did not provide very good work for her because they just didn't get into the kind of run-of-the-mill things that were going on in the classroom, but that they really latched onto this assignment. That's cool. Yeah. You know, speaking of the, you know, using these online teaching tools, uh, I was asked... Uh, I, I I volunteer with Boy Scouts of America, and I was and I've just become a merit badge counselor <laughs> at the beginning of this, which uh, bad timing, and we can't because <laughs> we can't sit down with the kids and teach them stuff, you know. And so the local council came up with the idea of doing these merit badge classes online using Google Classroom as the backbone, and I kind of got through. I'd never done merit badge counseling. Now I'm now I'm doing online merit badge counseling. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and getting thrown into this was a bit stressful. I'll be, I have to be honest. I mean, as, as much as I, you know, I do this for a living, I do, I, I'm online interacting with people for a living. It was still really strange. And to, it, it was a steep learning curve for me to try to figure out how best to use this tool to reach these kids. Cause I'm not, cause they're not getting a grade. That's not a class per se. They're, 
my job is to counsel them, to lead them as they learn and teach themselves. It was hard. I'm not sure I, I accomplished everything I wanted to in it and had the goal. But uh, by the end, you know, there a handful of the, of the there was all boys in this one. And by the end, the handful, the handful of the boys had earned their, their merit badges and had done really well. But I tell you, if I have to sit through one more Zoom <laughs> class or meeting <laughs> or whatever with people, it's very stressful because people who aren't used to being on these like we like I am, I'm on I'm on a Skype call, uh, you know, six, seven times a week with uh, doing various podcasts. But, you know, people not muting their mics and not knowing how to unmute their mics and, you know, the camera work and all that other stuff there's still that learning curve. So it's it's stressful to, to be thrown into this, but uh, maybe at the end of this, we'll all be a little bit better about it, I guess. Yeah, I think as people learn how to use the technology better, it's going to, I think it's going to stick around even when we get through this, whenever that happens. I, I don't know how much, how much that is going to change once we're out of the situation. Like I know even for us, um, uh, having all the masses available, like you can go to daily mass now every day if you want. Which yes, places didn't do before. So I really hope that people continue doing things like that. So pe even people who cannot get out of their houses, even after this is over with, can still take advantage of that. I would say one other very interesting uh, side note on that, the, the etiquette of using a program like this is you have to get used to waiting until someone finishes speaking before uh -huh. you can jump in. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's a skill that I hope sticks with us. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, even with podcasting, this is why we do a podcast with video between us. We don't record the video. But that way, with several of my podcasts, we've had to learn over the years you know, when we want to say something, you hold up a finger, you know, and say, I, when you're done, I'd like to make a point. But I like with with uh, Thomas, you're on a, a podcast with five people, the secrets of Star Wars. I mean, that can be could be very chaotic if people didn't observe the etiquette. And it's, right. it sort of teaches us to be patient with one another, doesn't it? It really does. And I, and I think that it's it's something that I, I've seen in my in my wife's doing um, her Girl Scout meetings where they're having to, you know, they mute the girls and then they let them when it's time, they say, OK, what what did you think? And they point specifically at people to get response from. It's a lot of interesting interpersonal skills that that are useful in everyday life. That right. We could really take away. Yeah, that is so true. Uh one of the things I, I'm really kind of interested in is the old things that are coming back because of this. And one of those things is drive-in movie theaters. Drive-in theaters had their heyday in the 50s and 60s. I remember them when I was a kid in the 70s. There was still a couple around. There was one uh, that that was right on the highway here in uh, in the Boston area that we'd drive by all the time. And I'd crane my neck to see what's on the screen uh, because maybe it would be a movie I'm not supposed to watch, you know, because I was little and. <laughs> And what, what's on the screen? Is it a monster? And uh, <laughs> but that went away. And a lot of movie, there was very few movie uh, drive-in movie theaters left. But now they're back. They're big because what a great way to social distance and go to the movies. You're in your car. But mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the I've, I kind of tried to find out what the technology was. I was I wasn't able to. But what technology they're using now? You know, the old days it was you drive up into your spot and there's a pole with the speaker like a metal speaker on it with a wire and you hang that in the window of your car and they pipe the sound of the movie through that and it sounded terrible but you know you're in your car at the drive-in but now i'm gonna I guess for a long time they were probably doing low power fm do you think mm -hmm. they uh, do they, that's the one they the one near us they still do that okay oh yeah i went to one and that's what they were doing so i think that's pretty much the standard for most places that do it right now because what I was thinking of, and and if you're a, if you're a tech guy, take this idea and run with it. Because I want someone to do something with it, which is uh, to stream it, stream the audio to an app, and the that way the only people who get to get the sound is the ones who've purchased the ticket in the app. So and it help, it's perfect for social distancing because you you purchase your admission in the app, you drive up, you could like maybe show a QR code or something to the person at the gate. You you go in, you park in your spot. And you just pl play it over your over your phone, like into the Bluetooth or whatever speaker system in your car, or if you have a Bluetooth speaker in your car. And I mean, I think that would be a great way of using technology to kind of advance this. I'm not sure about the lag, um, getting dealing with the, uh, the the sync issues between what's on the screen and what's coming out of the speaker might be a little tricky. Make, making sure it's in sync, 
But because uh, I don't know how they deal with that with FM. I mean, maybe they just don't bother doing anything about it. Maybe it's not an issue. Yeah, I don't know. We, I'm, I'm just curious, like, th- like how we're taking these nostalgic things. Like, I, I'm going to guess, like, drive-in uh, food places like Sonic are going to be bigger again. You know, it's it's kind of interesting how technology can kind of bring some of these things back. Is there anything along those lines that you guys have, have noticed or thinking about? Well, I, I was just thinking about the the drive-in uh, restaurants today when uh, we drove through a Chick-fil-A and it was um, one of those where the, the interior of the store is not open uh, and Chick-fil-A around here. I don't know if it's this way where you guys are, but it is always a huge line yep. uh, at the Chick-fil-A drive-through. Yeah. Uh, and this was right around lunchtime, but they have it down. They have the system down really well. It only took us about 10 minutes to get through and the line was wrapped around the building. So, oh, wow. I, yeah. They know what they're doing, and I, I figure if they can keep that kind of thing up, it's a pretty good way to go back to that concept of the drive-through or the you know bring the food to the car and leave it at the car kind of thing. Yeah, they're very efficient there. Um, I was thinking about um, with the drive-in movies. I think it's a fun novelty. I don't know how much it's going to stick, just because you cannot physically get as many people into your theater as you would a normal right. theater. And I really think that this is probably going to spell the death of going to the theater to see movies for the most part. I think there will still be um, like specialty theaters if you want to see like smaller films or for special occasions. But I think for the most part, we're probably in the next 10 years going to see most movies just go straight to streaming. I have a feeling which would be a shame only because, you know, some movies deserve to be on a big screen with a big sound system. You know, I I don't have I mean, I have a decent size screen i mean tvs are bigger than they ever they've ever been but i don't have like a like like a movie theater style so there's something about that and especially and again the social experience of going to the theater as well and it will be a shame to lose that i I hope we keep things like the restaurant theaters like where you can go and get a meal and watch a movie on the screen that sort of thing Uh, like alamo draft house Uh, although i i hear that um i think last week was pat was saying that alamo in the chain in the southwest in Phoenix, the Phoenix theaters have closed. So who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked several times recently about this. Should movies be going direct direct to streaming and skip the theaters altogether? And and what do we lose? Do we lose anything by doing that? Or do we just gain? Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it, is, is, you know, because we've talked about it before. I want to hear what you guys think about this. I think it depends on the movie, honestly. Like, there's a lot of movies nowadays, even that I just wait till it comes out on DVD or not even DVD anymore. Um, but for certain things, like like the spectacle movies, like Star Wars or something like that, where it's kind of yeah. like a it's an experience to go to, I would much prefer to see that in the theater. I think with the advent of watch parties and um, and some uh, streaming services and social media uh, things are picking up on that more fully. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot. I, I think we're going to see a lot less need of actually going anywhere to see that, movies. That's and true. honestly, as, as a consumer, if you think about how much, even, even me who does not spend much on going to the movies, um, if I spent all the amount of money that I went uh, to a movie over the course of a couple of years and dumped it on a home theater system, <laughs> um, that's true. I'd be set up, you know, so I'm not really, yeah. I don't, I, I don't really think any, anymore. The consumer tech is so, uh accessible now like the the thing i'd miss the most is the popcorn honestly <laughs> right. and uh, the 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 amount of times that i could afford the popcorn was, was so few <laughs> yeah. and far between you know? I, I could make better popcorn i could i know i could if i put a little time into it i could well, yeah. i mean for for me to take my family to see star wars which is the the one thing we all see together <clears throat> is a 100 bucks at least oh, usually yeah. more i've got five yeah. kids you know, so it's just, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, if even if it cost me twenty five dollars to stream a first run movie, you know, to to rent, it's still it's still a better deal. Now, if I'm spending twenty five dollars to stream it because I want to see it, mm, I might wait. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Right. I don't know if I want to spend it just for me to watch it. So there's that uh, the aspect of it. But yeah, I mean, I I I, I agree. I think I think. The home, the uh, movie theaters are probably going the way that, and I've seen movie theaters trying to pivot and find other streams, income streams, like you, renting other theaters for corporate events and conferences, uh, live streaming of of plays like uh, Broadway plays, mm-hmm. um, and other things like that. So they're trying to find other streams, but even then, 
with social distancing until we have until we get past the need to have this distancing. It's going to be tough for them to to get enough people into to justify. We'll have to see. All right. So I think that's uh, that's a good discussion. So we do have a bit of uh, feedback that I want to cover from uh, a, a past episode. Listener John had wrote in with some questions about upgrading to a new iPhone SE. He wasn't sure what to do, whether to trade in his old his old seven plus or in what, and which had which was broken. Uh, they had some aspects that were broken uh, and he wanted to know whether it was even ethical to trade it into Apple. Um, even though he told them exactly what was wrong with it. So he he followed up. He said uh, he got his new iPhone SE on May 14th, about a week ahead of the estimated delivery date, uh, and gives him some of his key points. He says uh, uh, he's adjusting to the smaller screen from the 7 Plus. Uh, he likes the comfort of being able to hold the phone one-handed and the reduced bulk. Uh, the A13 Bionic chip is in the price of the device of the best selling points. The only cons, uh, he misses the zoom that he had on the 7 Plus's camera. It doesn't have the same kind of zoom. He takes it doesn't he doesn't take a ton of pictures and the camera is fine otherwise. And uh, this one is a, one that a lot of people have noticed that haptic touch does not work on the lock screen notifications. So with uh, most of the other phones, so you get a, a lock screen notification, you can tap on it and interact with it. Like if you've got an alarm, you can snooze it or 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 make it go away. You can't do that now. You have to unlock the phone. You have to tap it and, get, and open up the app, unlock the phone and open up the app to, to interact with it. And that is not a bug. That is a that is how it's supposed to work, according to Apple. So, um, you know, it, it's it's the less expensive phone. You're, gonna, you're not going to have all the features, I suppose. Uh, and then he says battery life is about the same as the iPhone 8 uh, that he's heard, which is average, uh, relatively. Uh, and then uh, his assessment is overall, it's a great phone, great price tag, probably perfect for the average user. And uh, he did say that as far as the trade-in went, uh, that old iPhone that he sent back, they got it. He sent it back on May 16th, so two days after he got the 7 Plus. By May 24th, he'd received an email from Apple saying that everything checks out and he got the full $150 refund. So they're happy. He's happy. Bottom line for 330 bucks, he got a very solid new phone. Well, 330 less that 150 back, which is right, a, nice. a really great deal. So thank you, John, for that, uh, that follow-up on your email. We really appreciate it. Uh, so what are you guys carrying for phones these days? Any, any, you get the same phone you've had for a while? Something new? Yeah, I'm still with my Moto X. Okay. So I have a refurbished uh, iPhone 10R, which I like. But if I'd known that the new SE was coming out, I probably would have waited for that because I had the original SE and that's mm. the best phone I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. My wife had an SE before. She has the 8 now. Um, she's got like, I think, eight months left on the payment plan thingy, at which mm. point... Well, she'll probably keep it for until it breaks, which is how she uses phones. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> New phone? Oh yes, please. <laughs> that's usually how I am. But uh, so uh, I'm still. I still get the the uh, 10x Max Plus Super Duper, which or whatever they call it these days, which is still awesome. Uh, so let's talk about some more headlines. Uh, here's a situation a friend of mine ran into with his son. Uh, that a lot of people ran into. So uh, a, a lot of students taking the fall, uh, the AP exams, the advanced placement exams for, for college. You take these in order to place out of certain classes and get into certain kinds of classes in college. And because the, they weren't able to take them in person, the college board had to come up with uh, some workarounds for the test taking. They, they had to take it at home. And one of the things they had to do was upload a photo of their test sheet uh you know once they were done taking the test they had to take a photo and upload it well uh it turns out that the uh the the college board's website could only accept jpegs and pngs and iphones take and it's a couple of android i think samsung Sung phones Mm -hmm. take them in the new heic or heek or heef format and the students couldn't get the the pictures uploaded and the turn and they ended up it says they failed the exams they just didn't they just didn't complete they, and they'll be able to take the exams again which if you're a kid who took who spent the time to study and take the exam that's that's not much better that's really got to be deflating yeah so the a lot of people are blaming a- apple for their it's stupid proprietary formats i'm a little like um college boy maybe you should have prepared to accept photos from 
the most popular phones on the market. <laughs> so what do you guys think of this? Yeah, it's definitely on the college board. You need to do your research before setting something up like that. But I think that's kind of just par for the course how any sort of online testing uh, goes for those kind of things. Because I remember taking math classes in a, when I was doing uh, college, I did an online math course. And it would do that thing where you'd put in the answer and it'd be correct. But because the spaces were not exactly how it wanted it, it would not right. accept it. So. Right. Oh, yes. Don't get me started with Khan Academy. My daughter does <laughs> yeah. that for math. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really this is this is totally on college board. There's nothing wrong with um having a different format. If especially when you're such a big part of the market like uh the iPhones are. It's it's really ridiculous to say that uh it, it it's an uh, it's a lack of awareness on their part uh, right. that they should have had and I, it should have been tested. Like it, it really Right. How did they avoid that? <laughs> did did no one take the like test it by taking the test and uploading it with an iPhone, or did or did, did their testers all have the you can turn off the the Heek format on the phone and have it only store JPEGs, which is the compatible format. So did all of their testers all just use JPEG on the setting on their phones? I mean, come on, that 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 has got to be bureaucracy at work where someone flagged it in the bug <laughs> tracking software and someone said not important enough we, we let, ship it <laughs> you know and, and that's yeah. how it went yeah that, I, I think it's on them yeah uh, so there are instructions we'll post it online uh, the, the, you know, in uh, the show notes uh, a link to some instructions on how to turn off the heek format if you if you if if you're going to be taking a college board test and you need to take a just the idea that they have to take a photo of their test sheet too as proof of their of taking it that mm -hmm. that right there is uh, I mean a little bit of the analog digital hole there anyway I mean I just think that's that's a bit low rent on uh, APs I mean college boards uh, not part. surprising though <laughs> yes not surprising <laughs> yeah, not surprising at all <laughs> uh Jack you brought my attention to this story uh a taste display <laughs> that someone invented you can taste flavors through your computer what's this about so there's a scientist in japan has invented a lickable screen so it's not <laughs> actually a screen that's just what he calls it because it works the same way a computer screen works where when you're seeing the different colors on your screen you're not actually seeing all those different colors you're just seeing different intensities of red green and blue and depending on what color you're showing what color it's showing it will turn those intensities up and down to mimic those colors and that's how our eyes receive the information and this works the same way as that it's basically this device that has a bunch of gel tubes and each tube has molecules in it that are for salty, acidic, bitter, umami, and sweet. And mm -hmm. the way it re recreates any taste is it will uh, adjust the intensities of the molecules getting to your tongue. And it does that with uh, using this process called electrophoresis. So basically right. it passes a current through that gel and that will activate the molecules that will move either towards or away from your tongue. So it's wow. a pretty interesting technology. I, the way he talks about it in here is you could use it the same way people use a vape. So instead of actually smoking a cigarette and using a vape, it's you're getting your nicotine, although it's probably not really better for you. Um, but <laughs> right. with this, you could taste chocolate instead of actually eating a piece of chocolate. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be as satisfying, but uh, yeah. you know, it, it reminds <laughs> me when I was a kid that people would talk about. Oh yeah, someday we'll have smell a vision and a taste a vision. You know, for like cooking shows. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, oh, if only you could smell what Julia Child is cooking. Well, somebody went out and and built yeah. the taste a vision. Essentially, uh, you could taste things over the internet. I can imagine this being used for for evil, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely like a prank toy or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I, yeah, I don't even see it being being necessarily used for evil, but I'm imagining future VR systems in which you have something to insert into your mouth and insert into your nose. And it's, <laughs> it, VR is suddenly becoming much more invasive when you start thinking about these yeah. kinds of things. <laughs> While it's interesting, it's also kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what what the practical applications of it are. I'm sure there's something, but it's cool nonetheless. I get. I mean, if you're a big fan of a cooking show, like you know, and you want to taste whatever the great chef is making this week, but but I wonder how accurate to whatever. Like, it's it's a simula. Like you mentioned, it's a simulacrum. Right. That's not the thing. And you don't get the texture. You don't get the heat. You don't get all those other right. things that go into eating something. So right. Yeah. There's so much so much more than just the the, the strict, taste buds. Like taste. Yeah. It's an interesting it's an interesting technology demonstration though that's yeah. for sure. 
I thought it was really cool though. Like if you if you look at the, the the device, you hold it with one hand and you help transmit the current through the device. But then right. the, one of it was there were sliders for each of the different flavor profiles, and so you could literally slide the flavor up and down for that particular type <laughs> and like t- tune it in it looked like to whatever you might be interested like something very sweet was everything not you know the sweet all the way up and everything else down and then you could just gradually move it around from there kind of reminds me of one of those old you know those pins that had the multiple different inks in them yes yeah yeah when you were a kid you always try to take it and jam them all up into it all at once. <laughs> all at once. that's that would be the thing you use like every the, the first thing you would do with this is okay what would they all taste like what, at once? What everything tastes like <laughs> and you only do that once <laughs> yep. i just like that he calls it a lickable screen yes <laughs> uh all right so uh the the next headline i want to talk about is uh an interesting ruling by a judge federal judge uh, against the fbi saying that they can't so for a long time it's been they the the police can't make you uh enter your password into your phone to unlock it well this judge said that that the police law enforcement can't even uh, activate the the iPhone lock screen or any phone lock screen without a warrant they can't uh press the button on the side to make the screen light up without to it, to presumably see your notifications perhaps or anything else on your screen without getting a warrant i thought that was very interesting especially given that with iphones they now have a function the standard the default function where if you pick it up it it activates the screen so what do you guys think of this i think i i agree with it in principle i don't think it's that practical because like you said most phones when you pick them up they auto activate but also i don't know if this is the default setting, but on my phone, it will not show any of the notifications until I've actually unlocked it. Like it just says you right. have a text message, but it won't say mm-hmm. what it is. So there's no personal information there. You've probably disabled the default setting uh, because, yeah, because I think it defaults to showing. Although okay. when you set it up, it will ask, it will, it will tell you like you, right. you can go one way or the other. Uh, so, and I think that's good. What about you, Thomas? Okay. What do you think of this? Uh, I agree with Jack that um, I, I, I like I like the concept the the way this is going to work and this it is it's not going to stop this from it's not going to stop that view from happening but what it will stop is any of that information getting into a trial is going to throw the entire case against the person out so it's going to force law enforcement to be much more careful about how they approach invading mm-hmm. your privacy mm-hmm. in that way. Um, and so I, I don't think there's any practical application other than saying that if this gets to court and you use any information that was that you acquired from the phone, then the entire case is going to come into question about whether or not you had the warrant, when you had the warrant and right. how you acquired that information. Well, it's it's even trickier, too, because the judge said that the police could look at the <clears throat> the lock screen at the time of the arrest, given that certain circumstances allow for a search to take place without a warrant at the time of arrest. Like you're allowed to, you're arresting this guy, you're allowed to pat him down, for instance, mm-hmm. look through his wallet, you know, for that sort of thing. But when they get to later parts of the search and seizure, so it's, so it seems sort of technical in the illegally technical, uh, but later parts require that warrant uh, first. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. This is, it doesn't seem like this is workable from a technology standpoint it 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 doesn't seem practical to 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 put all of these cases in jeopardy based on a standard function you know i mean it would be like it would almost be like saying in the old days uh you can't even pick up a phone to look listen for a dial tone you know pick up a handset mm-hmm. off of a cradle to listen for a dial tone well i mean that's just a standard function i don't know it's just I'm not sure that's going to this is this will stand up to further judicial scrutiny, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Uh, are either you guys familiar with Keybase, the the app, a web service, public crypto? Yeah, it's uh, I've I've kept up with them a little bit to try you know because they they do a lot of really interesting um, crypto uh, management stuff, and so it's been I, I was when when you shared this article about them joining Zoom, I was really intrigued that uh, that Zoom's kind of angling that direction. Yes. It doesn't solve doesn't solve all the problems that I have with Zoom, but it's a, it's a good good direction for them to head in. <laughs> well, and that's the the thing I was going to bring up is I've been using for a few years for as my public private key pair crypto. So you can I don't want to get too much into the into the weeds on that, but you can encrypt things 
with a private key that you only you hold. And then you put a public key out there, which other people can use to decrypt it. And what that says is it ensures that this message or what whatever it is that's been encrypted comes from you. It's a so it's a public private key crypto. And they have a, a a service, a directory for it. They also do things like verify identity, like your social media, they verify that websites and different social media belong to the person they who says it belongs to and that sort of thing. And I've been using it for for years now. I'm a little I was a little bummed to see, to hear that Zoom had acquired them because Zoom doesn't have the best rep. I mean they lately they've been doing really well for themselves and they've been publicly trying to get better at their security and encryption but the last couple of years they've had we've talked about it several times on the show about they've uh, they've had some security issues questionable practices like installing web servers on Macs that don't, that you can't delete easily mm-hmm. um and questions about whether they have ties to the Chinese government and uh some some security problems with that there i know folks who uh will not install zoom anywhere on any of their computers uh, just because they they refuse uh because of that so it does concern me that that means zoom is now going to own keybase which is the crypto you know what i mean it it, it is yeah. keybase even going to be as secure as i once thought it can i rely on it uh, so i'm a little i'm a little concerned about that I, I would I would like them to get their best practices of installing in order, really, because right. that's been that's been my biggest bother with Zoom is that it it runs over everything, it installs very in in a very kind of shady manner. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll give them the you know the benefit of the doubt and say that it's not it's not out and out bad, but it, it basically installs itself like a virus, and. Right. I, I don't appreciate that uh, as as an end user, and and there's no way to there's there's no options that set you know that there's like normally a, a, a an app will install and it'll give you advanced options and it'll allow you to tell where it's going to install and what what pieces you want to install. This nothing. Zoom is just it it installs with the assumption that it wants to override everything on your computer. Right, and it's kind of nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. There's no granularity there. All right. So, do you guys use any public private key, uh, GPG, or anything like that? Did you? Uh, is this part of your yeah, practices? I, I, I'm a Linux GPG, uh, so I do command line GPG stuff. Okay. My, All right. So. Real hacker nerd stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah super <laughs> <hacker> nerd stuff. <laughs> How about you, Jack? Is this anywhere in your uh, practices? Um, yeah, I use the same thing. I use Linux. I use um, when I'm on Windows, I use uh, just the built-in BitLocker for everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it was Lee Laporte who kind of uh, clued me into Keybase a few years ago, and I've been using it since. Uh, it was it it provided a really easy front end for for crypto, and I thought it was a way that people could, you know, more of the public could get into it. But uh, we'll see. Well, I'm going to keep an eye on it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, if you've been if you have iOS devices that uh, you weren't able to launch apps on, it was giving you error messages about not being able to uh, open shared apps. Uh, then and then this past Monday, you suddenly had oh, like I did 75 app updates <laughs> on your iPad or, or whatever. Um, that would be because there was a bug that somewhere in there, Apple's not being too forthcoming on what exactly happened, but some sort of bug made all these apps inaccessible and required a re-download from the app store for or of an update. Probably not a complete re-download, but downloading an update to fix all of them. So uh, that was a quick... Did either of you guys see on this any, on any of your Apple devices? I didn't have it happen. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't have it, any of it. Yeah, I didn't have it happen where I couldn't open an app, but I did. Like I said, I had like seventy-five updates. Um, <laughs> speaking of shady practices, um, eBay <laughs> is apparently uh, port scanning every computer that visits their website, and I will no longer be going to eBay. <laughs> so, what do you, is is there a legitimate reason why eBay would need to port scan visitors to their website, guys? anything i guess the most charitable way you can view it is that they want to make sure that it's not from a malicious country but even then like no 
<laughs> yeah. trying to figure yeah, out even, a way, that, that's ip that's ip based that's right. not even a port scan like a port scan a, so to, to make sure everybody understands the difference right. between what's going on here because i think that you could be confused and say oh well they're just finding the ip address of the per- they're trying to figure out information about the people that are coming this is not that yeah. this is like if you walked into a place of business and they said we need to give you a cavity search <laughs> before you can come into the place of business right you know, i mean this is much more invasive than just having your temperature taken to check whether or not you have COVID 19 kind of thing right uh and and it's definitely like this is step one in trying to find a way to hack somebody's computer like you go and you you do a port scan you you just you you're poking for something that's open and i i unless you know i'll try to be charitable too you know yeah. I'll, I'll go with jack's like let's be charitable maybe it's they're they're trying to use a specific uh uh purchase program like you know like um they have a they have a, a wallet program that they're wanting to use and they want to make sure that this is something that's accessible um that's the most kind thing i can say but it's so that like reading into this a little more it's so broad and incredibly overreaching what they're actually doing that it is not in any way okay <laughs> It is. I wonder, it is looking for the ports that are used for remote controlling a computer, basically. Yeah. Remote looking at your screen, and that's when there are some who theorize that what they're trying to probe for computers that have been compromised to make fraudulent purchases. Right. Which uh, I I get that was is an important thing to to protect all of us. But that this is the nuclear bomb version of that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. port scanning everybody. It. This is this is the uh, like at at the airport trying to get on a plane and they do a cavity search on every passenger in order to make sure there are no terrorists carrying bombs. Like no, right. <laughs> there's a limit on that. I'm sorry about the the, the whole cavity search analogy, folks. But uh, that's, works, that's, that's really it, that's what it is. That's <laughs> that's what it is for your computer. It's essentially yes. the same thing. It's it's <laughs> as invasive. It is an inva- a personally invasive search of computers. Yeah. So. I wonder what happens if you go to eBay if you have your firewall set up properly to block that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I was wondering that same thing. I, or then if you're on a VPN, like what are they going to, what exactly are they yeah. going to find if you're on a VPN? Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not going to go to eBay without being on a VPN at this point. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, be careful, folks. Go to eBay until they, until they publicly <laughs> tell us what's going on and stop doing that. All right, so uh, that brings us to our picks of the week, and uh, let's. I think we all have, uh, in honor of SpaceX's uh, aborted flight today, uh, we all have space-related <laughs> picks. And uh, Jack, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick this week? My pick of the week is the Stellarium Mobile Sky app. Uh, they have a uh, desktop version. It's the Stellarium uh, Astronomy software, and basically, you can use it. It's like a virtual. Uh, astronomy app uh, for your computer and you can use it to look at the constellations you can track uh, satellites and that's the cool thing about the mobile app is that it uses your gps as well as your accelerometer so you can use it hold it up to the sky and kind of do an overlay where you can see where all the constellations are and where all the satellites are and where the international space station is so if you want to see that flying overhead or if you want to see the 50 million skylink satellites that are there at this point <laughs> you can use that to find where they're going to be and then try to see them does so it look through the camera um, it doesn't look through the camera. It just does an okay. overlay and kind of shows you where you're, where you are in relation oh, okay. to it. And also has a red eye mode, which is nice. So, cause if you're outside looking through a right. telescope, you don't want to ruin your night vision. Um, yep. I think it's two ninety nine on the app store and they also have it for, uh, Android. Awesome. Cool. How about you, uh, Thomas, what, what's your pick this week? Uh, I'm, I'm using a, a, a pick that I've mentioned on the show before, but I haven't apparently done it as a pick. So this is the Kerbal Space Program. Um, it is a, a, a game that you play to create uh, a space program. Uh, and it is a fantastic game. It is utterly ridiculous. All of the little people that you use are um, their little blob type uh, astronaut people. And they have smiles on their face no matter what's going on unless something really horrible is happening. And then they just look terrified with mouth open and their <laughs> eyes are gigantic bulges. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I think the, the three traits that they have are like courage, uh, stupidity, and um, 
and something else that's in in that same kind of range where it's like they're very brave but very dumb <laughs> and uh <laughs> i it, it's fantastic though it really is all the physics are dead on uh when you create a spaceship to launch you have to worry about escape velocity you have to worry about the weight of the fuel you have to worry about the the wind shear uh there's no weather in the current version, but they are creating a Kerbal Space Program 2 right now. And that's one of the things that they're talking about is adding in like weather effects and uh, things like that. You can learn how to put things into orbit. You learn what orbit is, which is a, it can be very eye opening. Uh, it, it's <laughs> something that I that I knew intellectually. But then once I started playing the game, I actually understood <laughs> how it really worked. <laughs> Uh, so I, I very much recommend it. Uh, it's a fun game, even though it's older and there's a newer one coming out. I'm not sure when the new one's going to be out, but I, it's fun enough to play and you'll waste tons of time uh, exploring all the little planets that they have in the game, uh, which are all based on real physics and work just like you would expect. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> can uh, can we just have a moment of silence for all the Kerbals that have been lost because of my poor math skills? <laughs> been no. abandoned on other planets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're out there along with all the Sims of uh, let starve to death. <laughs> so uh, apparently, it's the Kerbal Two is coming out in fall this fall uh, yeah, fall, nice. oh, no, okay, no, cool. fall twenty twenty one. So uh, okay, so fall. you get some time to play it before the the uh, the, the next version comes out. Uh, uh, mine is also a simulator, but a much much lower uh, level uh, simulator. Although kind of cool, given what's going on. So SpaceX, uh, I was saying before, like the the controls for the Crew Dragon are very much like you'd expect in a in a video game. It's for the video game generation, it's all touch controls. Well, you can pilot the Crew Dragon in a docking maneuver with the ISS. Uh, the International Space Station with their SpaceX ISS sim. And it's really cool. You've got the, the same on-screen touch controls and you can, uh, you have all of the different degrees of movement and it, 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 they tell you how fast you need to be going and stuff. It's not, it's not high speed action. Let's just put it that way. It's sort of meditative, frankly, it, which is nice. The first time you do it, you're going to, you're going to end up burning up in the atmosphere or going off into deep space because you're not going to know what you're doing. So go ahead and get that over with and then come back Look at the instructions like I did and go, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And then from the start, instead of just fiddling with things, like start using the controls as you should. And when you finally end up docking, it it's really satisfying. So that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, I have to give credit to the, the folks over at the Catholics of Oz podcast who brought this to my attention. I interrupted the editing of their podcast in order to go and play this uh, <laughs> uh, and then come back to the editing uh, because I was so intrigued by it. And uh, it was well worth the interruption. So uh, the uh, and the, of course, that's free. The ISS Sim SpaceX simulator. Uh, all right. I think that does it for us. Uh, we do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Noralyn S., Matthew B., James B., Paul E. and David B., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. If you'd like to respond or give us feedback on any of the topics we discussed, uh, you can do so by commenting at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or send an email to technology at sqpn.com and you'll find all the links to the articles we've referenced and the picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com if you've not yet done so please subscribe to the show in apple Podcasts, google play stitcher tune in your favorite podcast app or on youtube where we have a the sqpn youtube channel and make sure to click the bell to get notifications until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. Thomas Sanerho, thank you as well. It was a pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. Remember, to infinity and beyond! <laughs> <laughs>